0: Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Jeremy Thomas. In this series, we are looking at the two letters to the Thessalonian Church. This episode is just a taste from the full lesson. It is a standalone teaching meant as special encouragement for you today. So enjoy this short teaching. We hope you come back tomorrow for the full lesson.
1: The term brethren is a term of affection for someone who is a part of the body of Christ, who is a believer and is in you know the church. So we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren. In other words, it's very important for Christians to have knowledge. We don't want to be uninformed. Doctrine is important. So, and doctrine is just a word that means teaching. So there's nothing complicated about it. We need to have teaching, and we need to get it from God's Word. And he's now going to instruct them from God's Word about, he says in verse 13, those who are asleep. Asleep. Actually, every time I've read this passage for many, many years, I always think of, uh, is it Cinderella? Or is it Snow White? Snow White. Thank you. Snow White. Sorry, I get my Disney movies. Thankfully, I get my Disney, Disney movies, uh, movies, you know, confused. Um, Snow White. Okay, so she's asleep, right? Well, what do you expect? I mean, if she's not dead, she's asleep. What do you expect? And one day she'll wake up. This is a euphemism for physical death. So a euphemism is a nice way of talking about something that is something we don't want to face, and physical death is one of those things. So if we say that so-and-so is just asleep, it actually can be somewhat comforting because it carries with it the connotation of waking up like Snow White. So, he doesn't want them to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. That is, who will eventually one day wake up. And the reason, he says at the end of verse 13, is so that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. So, it's related to grieving. and When we lose a loved one, grieving refers to the distressing, sad state of our human spirit. that can take place, of course, when we lose, you know, a loved one. And it's because of the separation. We, we build a bond with people in this world. You uh, grow up as young children. You have your friends that you form relationships with. A lot of these friendships fall away, don't they? Some of them last. At some point, you, usually you meet, you know, your husband or wife, and this becomes your closest relationship and it's a bond that develops and is like glue you know for you're glued to this person for maybe 30 40 50 60 years so that if you lose this person there's this separation the you know the lord said when you marry someone a male and a female right the two become one flesh. So when that separation occurs at physical death, it's like a part of you is gone. And that's what's so distressing about physical death is it's almost like you don't know who you are anymore. And I've done many funerals, so you know, you talk to these people, you see the distressing situation, but we don't grieve, see, As the rest who have no hope. So the rest are obviously the unbelieving world. And they have no hope. Hope is always an expectation of the future. In this context, an expectation of being reunited with the people we've been separated from. That's what this verse is all about. So if we have hope, unlike the rest, then our hope has got to be related to being reunited with them. So the separation is only temporary. Uh, verse 14 gives what we call it, it's causal um, because you know why is this true why do we not grieve as, as everybody else who has no hope because if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so God will bring with him that's the Lord Jesus Christ those who have fallen asleep in Jesus Okay, so this is embarking on a great truth right uh, because we're all going to experience loss of loved ones, whether it's husband or wife, family member, friend. Um, but there's this condition, right, in verse 14, if we believe, and it's actually a first-class condition, so since we have believed we don't that Jesus died and rose again, we don't have to worry about others who believed in Him. Now look, this is the gospel, by the way. Verse 14 is the content. Well, believe is the condition. That's the condition, human condition. This is what we have to do on the human side in order to be saved. And remember, faith is not a work, right? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was not a work. If it was a work, Paul says, it would be a wage and it would be due. It would be like a payment. Salvation is not a payment. It's a free gift, Right? So faith is non-meritorious. It's not doing anything. It's, it's receiving something. So if we believe, if we believe what? Well, that Jesus died and rose again. So this is the content that we're believing. Uh, who is Jesus? Well, we know who he is from other passages. He's the God-man, right? Um, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, a child will be born, a son will be given. The child born is the humanity. The son given is his deity. He's God and man. Uh, Isaiah 7:14, "A virgin shall be a child, and he, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us." See, he's deity, he's God, but he's also humanity. OK? God with us, dwelling as a human being. So that's who he is, right? And Jesus is from Yashah, the Hebrew, which means Yahweh delivers, or Yahweh is salvation." So, um, it's God who saves, and Jesus is God is, the, is God, He is the one who saves. So if we believe that Jesus died, now this is what he did. now we're talking about his work, not who he is, but what he did. He died, and he rose again, so two things died and rose. Why did he die? He didn't have any sin. Um, he was born of a virgin, he avoided any inherited sin, he avoided imputed sin he was then in his life he was Tempted in all things as we, and yet he was without any personal sin or individual sin. Those are your three types of sin. Inherited, imputed, and and individual. And he didn't have any of the three, right? So why did he die? Because sin is the cause of death. And he even said, no one can take my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. So it was very clear that if Jesus wanted to continue living until this present day, he could still be here on this earth. But he says, I lay it down of my own accord. Right In John 10, I lay it down in my own accord. It was a voluntary death. And so why did he die? Because he wanted to, because God had a plan for him. The father had a plan for him, and he says, "Not my will, but thy will be done." right? And so he is here to fulfill the Father's will, and the Father's will is that he would die to pay the penalty of sin for the whole human race. And so that's why I died. But then, because he had no sin, and he satisfied God's perfect righteousness, The verse says he rose again. Now I think you have to have, and we're talking about a physical bodily resurrection in a body that is immortal. So whenever we talk about the gospel, we really talk about either two or four things, okay? If you want to talk about it in in concept of two things, it's his person, who he is, and his work, what he did. If you want to develop that a little bit, you can talk about it four ways. You can say, as a person, he's God and man, and as to his work, he died and rose. But that that's the substance of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, Paul says, I tell you the gospel, right? It's of first importance that Christ died on the third day, and it says, according to the scriptures, and he was buried which was the physical evidence that he actually died. I mean, how do you know somebody died? Well, they put him in a tomb. I don't know that if he's sitting in a chair at home. It could be Snow White for all I know. Okay, And then he says, and he was raised, right, on the third day. And then he appeared. The appearances are the evidence that he rose. I mean, how else do you know he rose? Well, because he has all these appearances, right? He goes around, he eats with, they think they're singing a ghost, right? And he's like, no, I'm going to eat some fish here, you know. And they're like, oh, this is a real real guy. So in the resurrection body, you can actually eat. It doesn't say you have to eat, but you can eat because the resurrection body did eat. The point, though, is that the fundamentals of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 are who Jesus is as God and man and what he did. He died and rose. And see, if you believe that, see, then even so, verse 14 says, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep in Jesus. Um, Well, if God's going to bring with him these people who believe that, then let me ask you a question. Where are the people who have died who believe this right now? Where are they? If they're going to come back with him, where are they right now? Yeah, they're with him. To come back with him, you have to be with him. You know, people wonder, well, what happens when you die, you know? Well, to be absent from the body, 2 Corinthians 5, is to be present with the Lord.
0: Thank you for listening to this lesson from the Epistles to the Thessalonians. Jeremy has a companion book to this study available on Amazon for purchase. You can find the link in the description below. You can also find out more information on Jeremy's website, beyondthewalls-ministry.org. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you found this lesson useful, informative, and encouraging. Because our desire here at Beyond the Walls is for you to grow in your faith, your love of God, and therefore to have a more joyful, abiding life in Christ.